Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on May 29th, 2022, on the basis of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from our ascended Lord and Savior. Amen. It's probably a little past that time of year now, but it's kind of the time of year where, where graduations are happening, right? I know Brandon had theirs a couple weeks ago. All the other schools are kind of having theirs either a couple weeks ago, last week, this week. Uh, it's, it's an exciting and fun uh, time of year. Uh, plenty of celebrations, plentiful shares of, of pulled pork sandwiches and delicious dessert tables, Right? And family and friends, they, they gather around and they, they tell stories, they catch up on, on things that are going on in, in each other's lives, um, and they reminisce. They reminisce about the days when the graduated one used to be in diapers, um, as they are seen in some of the pictures that are scattered around the, the garage. You can, you can picture that, right? You, you've taken part in maybe something like that before. And, and generally, for most people, uh, graduations, they're, they're exciting, for almost everybody involved in a graduation. But at the same time, uh, there, there's probably, it's probably fair to say that there's mixed emotions that surround graduation as well because you're, you're closing the book on one part of your life. Uh, the, the experiences and the memories that you had at that particular school, um, they'll maybe always stay with you in some respect, but they're going to be in the past. They're, they're finished and they're done and, and we, we mourn that in ways. We're going to miss some of the, the friends that, that we made that we might end up losing touch with and, and not talk to, uh, you know, much after that. We're going to miss some of the experiences we were able to have at, at that school. It's, it's the closing of the book. And that's not just true for, for kids. Pa- parents feel that too, right? Uh, those experiences that they get to have with their kids, they experience and mourn those things when their child moves on to the next stage of life. But by and large, it's really exciting, right? Because although the, the book is closing on this part of your life, it's opening on, on another. There's plenty of new things to look forward to and, and a world of possibilities out there. And so you, you can say graduation is kind of this, this dr- juncture, this crossroads, this time of, of transition between the past and the future, between what things were like and what things will be like. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's, it's somewhat similar to the ascension of Jesus. This idea of a juncture, of a crossroads, of, of a transition, where the book is closing on one part and, and opening to another, the ascension of Jesus is, is kind of similar to that in ways. You maybe noticed that we had two different accounts of the ascension in our reading today, uh, one from Luke and, and one from the book of Acts. Well, they're both written by the gospel writer Luke. He wrote both the, the gospel of Luke and he, he wrote the book of Acts. And so we kind of have a volume one and volume two version of, of events here. And, and so that's what he means when he says at the very beginning of, of the reading, in my former book, Theophilus, right? He wrote his first book to Theophilus, which was the Gospel of Luke. And that's what he's referencing when he says that. He's talking about his gospel where he, he conveyed the, the life, the work, 
and the, uh, the teachings of Jesus. And now, in this, in this book of Acts, he's going to record everything that happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. Luke was Jesus' time here on earth, starting with his birth and ending with his ascension. And now, the book of Acts is going to cover the start of the early Christian church and what the disciples did following Jesus' ascension. And so, kind of in a fitting fashion, the book of Luke ends with the ascension, and the book of Acts starts with the ascension. And so the ascension is this, this juncture, this crossroads, this transition. He, he starts off volume two by recapping a few things that, that have happened. There, there were 40 days that, that Jesus spent on earth between his, the time of his resurrection and the time of his ascension. And, it's, and he records for us that Jesus appeared to the disciples on many different occasions. He presented himself alive uh, to them. Not just once, not twice, multiple occasions he appeared to the disciples and it says that he gave them many convincing proofs that he was, in fact, alive. That, you know, if the disciples would have seen him once, maybe they would have thought they were dreaming it, that it was some sort of delusion. Maybe they would have thought that Jesus was some, some kind of ghost, but Jesus ate food in front of them. He, he drank in front of them and that, that drink didn't fall through a body of bones to the floor, Right? He ate and drank. He showed them the wounds that he had on his hands and on his side that he truly had died. And now he was truly standing before them alive. And the disciples were obviously convinced. They believed that Jesus had truly died. They saw the marks of his sacrifice. They believed he had risen from the dead. And then Luke records for us that Jesus continued to teach them that the teaching of the disciples still wasn't done by this point. He was still teaching them about the kingdom of God, about what this death and resurrection meant for them, and he even gave them a command, right? He said, stay in Jerusalem until I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. But an exceedingly frustrating verse for for readers, including us, is verse 6. Take a look at that verse again. Then they, the disciples, gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Oh, again, they they just don't seem to get it, do they? Jesus has taught them again and again and again about the, the kingdom of God and that he came to bring the kingdom of God. And one day he will bring them into the, the kingdom of God that's in, in heaven. Yet the disciples... They were so tied, so tied to this idea of this being an earthly kingdom, of Jesus coming to restore the the nation of of Israel. And so Jesus is about to visibly leave them, right? He's about to visibly ascend into heaven and and disappear from their their view. And they're still thinking, all right, Jesus is going to start his earthly kingdom right now. He's going to to take his throne as, as an earthly king and restore Israel to what it once was, at the time of David or Solomon. And it's okay to be frustrated with the disciples. (laughs) But as you hold that frustration, look into your own heart too. Because if you look, you'll see the seeds of that same thinking in your own heart. And the seeds of that thinking are revealed in probably a lot of different ways. But here's a few of them. 
It's revealed when we take for granted the wonderful spiritual blessings that Jesus has secured for us. When we prioritize other things over our spiritual well-being or our connection to the means of grace. Uh, it's, it's also uh, revealed when we look for Jesus to be a king that he did not come to be. When those spiritual blessings that Jesus has, has secured for us just aren't, aren't good enough. They, they aren't enough for us. We, we want more. It's revealed when we become so wrapped up with everything going on around us that we fail to see Jesus as our reigning king. And Jesus becomes this, this king that's he's always around, but he always tends to take the back seat in my life. And you know what? The, the, the devil really wants that to be the case for you. The devil is working constantly so that you don't see Jesus as your reigning king. Did you know that in the Bible, the devil is also called in some places the, the king of this world? And as the king of this world, he would love nothing more than to restrict you and restrict your soul to just this fallen earth. He, he doesn't want you to see the, the wonderful blessings that Jesus has secured for you. He would love nothing more if you were completely disconnected from those and you never saw Jesus as your reigning king. Of course, Jesus wants the opposite for you, right? Jesus doesn't want you to miss out on, on any spiritual blessing. And so he explains to the disciples, and we get the benefit of that explanation, what his death and what his resurrection mean for us. The spiritual benefit of all of these things. We get to hear the firsthand account of the disciples seeing the, the marks of his sacrifice on his hands and on his side, to know that he truly died and to know that he had truly risen from the dead. We get to learn that this sacrifice that Jesus made was of a larger scope than just the realm of the earthly. But this sacrifice brought more than just temporal blessings. It brought eternal blessings, heavenly blessings for us. And so this ascension day is coronation day. Jesus gets his crown. He, he assumes his, his throne of a power at the right hand of, of the Father, and he is our exalted Lord as he was always meant to be. And it's the day where we learn three things about Jesus. One, that he truly did complete his work. You can maybe say that at a couple different times of, of Jesus' work. When, when he says it's finished on the cross, when he rises from the dead. You could say that either of those times he's completing his work. The ascension is the final completion of his work here on earth. His work now is done as he ascended into heaven. It's completed, done, nothing else left to do. Number two, it shows us once again that he is God and God to the full. And number three, it shows us that he will come back again one day. You caught what the angels said, right? Those two angels in white it kind of sounds similar to the resurrection, right? Where the two angels dressed in white are, are in the tomb there. These two angels dressed in white appear next to the, the disciples. And they, they ask him a couple things. But then they say, the same way you saw him go is the same way you're going to see him come back. And to the disciples, that has to be incredibly encouraging. That this isn't the last time that they're going to see Jesus. But they're going to see him again someday. And they're going to, to get to spend a lot more time with him too. And so this 
ascension serves as a crossroads, as a juncture, as a graduation of sorts. The disciples are no longer going to be following Jesus around Galilee and Judea and Samaria, doing various ministry things, watching Jesus heal people and teach people. That that time's done for them. They're no longer going to see Jesus. They're no longer going to hear the sound of his voice. And they're probably always going to remember that fondly. They'll remember all those things that, that they witnessed with Jesus, but now they're moving on to a, a new stage in their life and in the ministry of, of the church, the time before Jesus comes back again. We're, we're still in that time. The time before Jesus comes back again. So the question is, what do we do? What do we do in the meantime here? Well, he, he kind of told the disciples, right? He said, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift that my father had promised. Stay in Jerusalem and wait for this gift of the Holy Spirit. But what about after that? Well, he gives them, gives them kind of a big command, right? He says, you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, starting here, right? Jerusalem. In Judea, circle gets a little bit wider. In Samaria, gets even wider. And then he just kind of blows it out of the water, right? He says, to the ends of the, the earth. You are to be witnesses Witnesses of, of everything that they had seen. They, they had seen Jesus live a perfect life. They had seen his innocent death. They had seen his, his resurrection, the fact that he was alive, those many convincing proofs that he gave. They, they had listened to him teach. They had heard many of his promises. And now they were to be the witnesses of this message to, to these concentric circles of sort in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And although this command is given just to the disciples here, we know from the rest of of Scripture that that's our command too. To be his witnesses. To be witnesses of his word. To be witnesses of what's contained in that word. Of all those same things that the disciples were eyewitnesses of. Of Jesus and what Jesus means for, for all of us. It's a pretty big command. It's a pretty tall order to say, you are to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. But let's not focus on the command first. Let's focus on the source of the command here. This command isn't coming from your humiliated Jesus in his state of humiliation, in his state of weakness, in his state of being a human just like, just like us in every way, having every human weakness that we have except for sin. This command is coming from your exalted Lord, your king who is about to ascend his his throne, your king who is all-powerful, is the the king over all the universe. That's who this command is coming from. To take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth, that's coming from your almighty king. And when your king tells you to do something, (laughs) you do it, right? Right? You don't question it, you don't ignore it, you don't take out the pros and cons sheet and and start making pros and cons about, should I do this, should I not? No, when the king tells you to do something, you do it. But that's problematic for us. Our sinful nature hates that command. Our our sinful nature does not want to do that. We don't want to talk to other people about about Jesus. That, That topic's uncomfortable. 
I got a whole lot on my plate already. I, I can't add another thing onto my, my plate here. In fact, I, I, I'm probably inadequate to do it in the first place. What, what skills do I have to, to share Jesus with anybody, to be a witness of, of anything to anybody? And so the excuses go. We let our limitations, we let our inadequacies get in the way of carrying out the command of our king. And we let our unwillingness uh, seep into to things as well. So, so what do we do about that? What do we do about that when we've received this, this command from our, our king? Yet we're faced with our inadequacies, we're faced with our, our fallenness, <laughs> we're faced with our, our limitations. Well, see your reigning king. That's what we're supposed to do. See your reigning king. Your reigning king who gave you that command because the reigning king who gave you that command also equips you to carry it out. That's true in everything in life. When God calls you to do something, he also equips you to do it as well. For the disciples, he told them this command to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then he said, wait for the power that's coming from on high. You'll be clothed with power from on high. That, that's pretty powerful imagery there. He's telling them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives them the command, and then he equips them with the Holy Spirit to carry out this command, which will happen 10 days from the ascension. We'll be celebrating that next Sunday, when the Holy Spirit will come. They will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with, with fire. You don't have to wait 10 days. You have the Holy Spirit. It was given to you at your, at your baptism. That the Holy Spirit has made your, your body his, his temple. And he continues to work in you and on you through the word and through the, the sacraments to grow your faith and to continue to equip you for his, to be his witness. So he gives you this command. He equips you to do it. And then he promises to go with you too. As Jesus is standing there on the, on the Mount of Olives before he's about to, to ascend into heaven, he's speaking to his disciples and he gives them the command to go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says this, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That promise was for the disciples and that promise is for you. He gives you this, this huge command, but he equips you and he goes with you to carry this out. So go. Go with, with the, the gospel of our Lord, with, with this life-changing message. Go and tell. Go with the, the power of the Holy Spirit that you have been equipped with. Go knowing that, that Jesus is with you. And go always with, with your eyes lifted towards heaven, seeing your, your reigning King who equips you and goes with you. Amen.